0: Well, good morning welcome to Fellowship of Huntsville. If you are visiting with us this morning, we'd love to hear from you. There should be a card underneath the seat in front of you. It's called the connection card. Fill it out. You can do it electronically or you can do it uh, by pen or pencil and put it in the box in the back between the two doors there. That's also where we take our offerings if you want to give to the ministry. If you have prayer requests, you can use the card for that. Actually, you can use the card for anything you want to. Uh, really, you can make a little paper airplane, and but that's not really its intended purpose. But. So uh, we're having college lunch after the service today. So if you are a college student or college age, you're welcome to join us over in the fellowship hall immediately after this service. Also, it is uh, um, National Table Shuffleboard Day, not just Shuffleboard Day, but Table Shuffleboard Day, which is kind of strange. It is also National Wife Appreciation Day, i.e., I I wish I'd listened to my wife day. (laughs) Or, thank God, I listened to my wife day. So if you are a husband of any sense whatsoever, you've said that now at least once a day, you should have. If not, you need to be beat over the head which uh, to get to your senses, to understand, listen to your wife. All right, listen to this. This is an appreciation day. So my wife's not in the room, so she doesn't know it's wife appreciation day. (laughs) Yet, right? Yet. But uh, give your wife a big hug and kiss today. And um, she should be appreciated every day for what she does uh, for you and for me. Um, All right, if you will turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4 not John chapter 4 first John don't get confused we are in the book of John but we are actually reading out of first John cf's been going over is the beginning of John the regular book of John but uh, he's talking about the love of God so we're going to turn to first John chapter 4 verses 8 through 11 Behold, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that he might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for your love for us, that it is beyond anything that we could ever understand. Lord, I pray that we will worship you and bow down to you, to give to you, and to follow you in everything that we do because of your love for us. Lord, I pray for truth to be spoken this morning. I pray for the words to be in and come through CF from you. Pray, Lord, that your spirit will move in our lives, that we may seek after you and say this in your name. Amen.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn them to the passage he read in 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. You're visiting with us today. We are studying through the gospel of John. We've been on verse 2 for quite some time because verse 2 says he was in the beginning with God. And to be with God means more than just like my Bible is with me or or this notebook's with me. To be with God means to be in oneness with him, to be together with him. So to do that, Christ has to possess the same attributes of God. And so I've spent the last 17, well, we've covered 17 uh, sermon titles on the attributes of God, which is not all the attributes, but it's enough to where uh, we've got a good understanding of God because the gospel of John is about the deity of Christ. That's what it's about. And so to better understand that, that book, I wanted to cover that. So next week we'll actually launch off, look more detail at verse 2 and start on verse 3. And we're going to start working our way through the Gospel of John and seeing how all of this fits together. So today the last attribute we're going to look at is the love of God. And I saved the love of God there for the end. Uh, with the wrath of God being last week, love of God this week will conclude uh, the attributes of God. So join me as we pray, and then we'll take a look at our scripture. Father, we come before you, thanking you, Lord, for this day and for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for all you many blessings, for the forgiveness that we have, for the grace that we have in you. And Father, help us to understand your word and keep me from error as I teach your word, direct me in my thoughts and in my comments. And Lord, they be to edify your people and that they grow from your scripture so, Father, we give you this time and ask that your will be done. Pray this in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Amen. If you look at the passage here, in verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. There's actually a definite article in this, and it reads, Beloved, let us love one another, for thee love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love." And as you look at this uh, subject of love, we just like we do on most these attributes, we'll do a definition. The word that is used here is the word agapio. And what the word means is an expression of the volition. I'm just reading you the textbook definition. Let me put that in regular English. It means an expression of the will, not motivated by superficial appearances, emotional attractions, or sentimental relationships, okay? The love of God is an act of God's will. It is a love that impels one to sacrifice themselves for the benefit of the object loved. Biblical love, or God's love, seeks the best in the object that is loved. And you see that all the time In God's love. Contrast that with the world's definition of love to a great extent the world's definition of love really falls into two categories. One category would be uh, warm feelings or feelings for a person strong feelings or emotions for a person or uh, a lot of times love is defined as accepting what another person does or thinks or says or whatever. The world has a wide variety of definitions for love. But God's definition for love is very distinct. One of the most common words used in the Old Testament to discuss the love of God is a compound word that is often translated uh, as loving kindness. It is the Hebrew word hesed and hesed is a word that means the loving kindness of God. It means kindness, beauty, favor, goodness. And it can also be translated mercy and it can be translated love depending on what kind of translation you have. But the Old Testament says a whole lot about the love of God. Now people think in a general sense that the Old Testament God is a mad grumbly uh, boomer type guy or some sort and then and then they get over here to the New Testament God. And they say the New Testament God is kind of easygoing, uh, kind of soft spoken, that kind of stuff. Same God. It's just showing you different sides of God. The God of Old Testament is a God of love and grace. Full of mercy and goodness. And the same God is in the New Testament. All right. So we need to understand that. So when we talk about the love of God, the first thing we can say is that love, God is the genesis of love. All right, Look at your passage, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So God is the source of love. Second thing is, the love of God is revealed throughout Scripture, but the Bible tells us that God's Old Testament law reveals His love. That may be hard for some people to accept, but the law is an expression of the love of God. Because the law is an expression of God's character. Okay? The law is good. And what the law does is it reveals to us the character of God, the nature of God. I want you to look at uh, Matthew 22. Matthew 22, what you're gonna have here, Jesus is gonna summarize the law. And uh, if you turn to Matthew 22, turn to verse 34, or you can follow on the screen, either one. 2234 says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer. Now this this terminology of lawyer here is not talking about like in a court of law. The use of the term lawyer here means a student of the law. Okay, one that studied. This is a Jew that spent all their time studying the law. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, tested him, saying, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments... Hang all the law and the prophets. So he says there, the law is the expression of love. And he says it's summarized in loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and loving your neighbors yourself. So we can say very clearly the love that love is the sum of the Old Testament law. Look, if you would to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 13. Romans 13 verse eight says this, Romans 13:8, "O oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, they are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to the neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So New Testament expression is that love is a fulfillment of the law. Love God with your heart, mind and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, you have fulfilled it all. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 136. If you were here last week, Psalm 136 was the uh, is going to be the theme of the ladies' Bible study this fall. In 136, it says this: It says, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good." and his his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. That word there for mercy is the Hebrew word hesed. And hesed can also be translated loving kindness. Some of you in here this morning, your Bible may read like this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love endures forever. Some people will have a translation that, that reads, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness endures forever. All those translations are acceptable because they all encompass the same idea, and that is the love of God, the love that God has for his people. So we'll say something else about the love of God, and that is this. God's love is infinite. It is limitless. And it is difficult to comprehend. The love of God is difficult to comprehend. We think we understand it, but we really don't. Psalm 103. Psalm 103. And if you will turn there, I will read the passage to you. Psalm 103, 11, It says, for as high as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. The word translated mercy is the Hebrew word hesed. Loving kindness is the word that is used there. The loving kindness of God. Then if you will look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Ephesians 5, verse 18, me in a second. I can't. Uh, I'm sorry. I said five. I meant three. Go to 318. I even got the booth messed up. That's on me solidly. I don't know why I was thinking five because I'm going to cover five in a minute, but it's three. Three 18. Now, this is Paul's prayer. I'm gonna begin in verse 14, but our focus verse is verses 18 and 19. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, here we go, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. The love of Christ surpasses our knowledge, our ability to comprehend. We cannot take it all in. So God's love is infinite, limitless, hard to comprehend. His love is also eternal. His love is of an eternal nature. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 136 again. And we're just going to read the first couple of verses on this. But Psalm 136 says this, O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. Oh give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh give thanks to the Lord, the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. The word mercy, loving kindness How long does his loving kindness last? Forever. It's eternal. Look at Jeremiah 31.3. Jeremiah 31.3. Jeremiah 31.3 says this. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. The word loving kindness is that word hesed. So you see that God's love is infinite, limitless, and it's eternal. His love is also unchanging. Because see, one of the attributes of God is that God does not change. Okay? And because God does not change, his attributes cannot change because what happens is his attributes, they work in coordination with the other attributes. His attributes don't just pop out and operate independent. His attributes operate in conjunction with each other. For example, when we say God is love, what we're saying is God is holy love, okay? When we say God is just, we say God is holy just. His holiness is seen in everything. And so the attributes work together uh, in coordination. So if you look at Jeremiah uh, 31.3, it says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. And so his love doesn't shift. It doesn't change. It doesn't turn. James, I think, says it best. If you look in James chapter one, James says this about God. Verse 17, James 1, 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. What that simply means is God does not change. He doesn't shift. He's not moving like a a shifting into something different. You can count on God being the same the day Paul wrote it, the letters that he wrote as he is today. He's the same as when Moses wrote as he is today. He's the same when he created the heavens and earth As he is today, God does not change. He is consistent and and unchanging. We also see that God's love is holy. Look at Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five speaks of the holiness of God's love. And it says, now hope, verse five, Romans five, five. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So God's love is a holy love is what it is. The other thing to understand about God's love is that God's love is a purifying love. If you'll look in, and this, this is still under holy, don't make a new category. Uh, Ephesians 5. And he talks about the role of the husband and wife in a marriage relationship. And look what he says, Romans I mean, Ephesians 5 and 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That's the kind of love God has. God's love is a purifying love. It is a holy love. Because it's a purifying love, one of the things God does is He seeks the best in the object love. So when God places His love upon you and His love is operative in your life, you know what's going to happen? He's going to move you into a pattern of obedience with Him. That's what He does. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 5. Hebrews 12 and five says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as the sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. Now that word chastening there is the word paideia. And paideia means child training, okay? It means training a child, teaching them how to live, how to operate. And God does the same with us. So he says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. And he scourges every son whom he receives. So you see, God has a purifying love. Follow it through here. He says, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be what? That we may be partakers of his holiness. If you're going to be in communion with God, God is going to move in your life to get the sin out of your life. It is a purifying love because God wants fellowship with his people. And when his people have sin, what's he going to do? He's going to drive that sin out of the life. The last point is this. God's love is sacrificial. We saw that when we looked at Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. It says that the husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That speaks to the sacrificial side of God's love. Let's look at some other passages. John 3, 16. Someone's got the hiccups in here. That's all. That's fine, man. I don't mind hiccups for, for God. It makes me want to hiccup, though. That's a problem. And I got to preach for God. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How do you know God is a God of love? That passage tells you he is a God of love because he gave his only son. He demonstrates sacrificial love by giving His Son. And so His Son is sacrificed on the cross for the sin of man, and if man trusts in Him, He receives that forgiveness. That is a demonstration of the love of God. Look at John 15 and 13. John 15, 13 speaks to it also. John 15, 13 says, Let me find my place here. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. That is God's sacrificial love. And in Romans 5 and 8, Romans 5 and 8 tells us, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you see, God's love is sacrificial. I think probably the best place to go, let's go back to the text we began with this morning. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. I'll read starting in verse 7. Go ahead and put the thing back to verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. For he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Do you remember last week we looked at propitiation? What is propitiation? Propitiation is the satisfying of the wrath of God. God was propitiated or satisfied by the shed blood of Christ. Therefore, God's wrath is poured out on Christ. Christ becomes our substitute. He takes the wrath of God. He bears the punishment for our sin. So you and I don't have to bear that punishment. He bears it in our place. He is our substitute. And God is propitiated or satisfied because his wrath is poured out on the Son. And so what do we have? We receive the blessings of God through the person of Christ because he, his love is a sacrificial love in that he laid down his life for us. Look at Romans 3. Romans 3 touches on this also. 3 and 21 which is the passage we also looked at last week. But you see how this concept of propitiation ties back in there. It says, 321 says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. Who is the righteousness of God available to? To all who believe, you receive the righteousness of God through faith. Your sin is paid for, and you receive imputed righteousness from God as a result of that. Verse 23 For all sin and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation. By his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God passed over the sins that were previously committed. Christ is our propitiation. Because of God's sacrificial love, Christ dies in our place, takes the wrath of God. God is propitiated and therefore satisfied with you and me because my sin's been judged. God's love is a sacrificial love. One other verse that I just thought of, Matthew 5. I'm, yeah, I know, the old never ending preacher deal. Um, look at this. Matthew 5 and verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust and some of the folks in Huntsville. (laughs) See, God's love is seen in his common grace toward mankind. He sends his rain on the just and the unjust. And both are blessed as a result of it. And so God tells us the way we demonstrate the love of God is loving those around us. Read what he says there. For if you love those who love you, verse 46, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Demonstrating the love of God. The love of God is shed upon us. It's given to us, it's eternal, it's unchanging, it's everlasting and it's sacrificial. And God expects us to be people that love too. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in prayer, thanking you, Lord, for your goodness and your grace toward us, for the forgiveness that we have in Christ. And Father, I pray that uh, we would go forth from here, Father, and live and enjoy you in everything we do in life, and that you be honored through that. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.